Hello, everyone. I need to be a little louder, I think. Hello, hello, hello. <laughs> hello. That, um, that looks better okay. on the thing. Yeah. Hi, everybody. <laughs> Welcome back to Midwest Madness, your true crime cult conspiracy encrypted podcast. I'm Emily. And I'm Danielle. Um, should we just like start off by saying we don't know what the fuck happened with the episode last oh, week? Oh my god, that was a cluster fuck. Yeah, that was an absolute cluster. It was just like because <laughs> like my episode finally wasn't cut off at the beginning. Yeah, because that's happened two weeks now. Two that weeks it in was. a row, and then I for go no to listen to your episode, and it just like starts in the middle of the like the episode. literally the middle of the episode and i texted danielle of course and i was like uh so your episode didn't play well like start in the right spot and of course like it's i was already at work you and were so already at I, work yeah. so by the time i got home and then i tried to re-download it and then i couldn't upload it to email well, to send yeah, danielle because yes. she's the one who <laughs> uploads it to the website um so I couldn't send her the episode. So then I tried to just do it on my side of things and I was like downloading it and it yeah. wasn't like popping up saying that I had downloaded. And I like walked her through it. We did it on FaceTime. FaceTime I saw like, her do it exactly right. And I was like, bro, I don't know what is going on. So then at that point, I had done it like three or four times. <laughs> yes. Yep. Only to find out that they were uploading to the bottom of our feed because we had we hadn't numbered them because yeah. you're gonna go in and like change the description yeah. and all that. I was gonna do all the editing of that later. So yeah, then they uploaded like four times. I don't even know. <laughs> Is it still? So on my Spotify, it only showed one. Okay, but I, I deleted them off of my Apple. So I don't know if it's still showing like four or five episodes of John Dillinger. We just really wanted you guys to hear the story. Yeah, there's that's, still, are there's still, still on four there? on there. Okay, because like that's so weird because I literally deleted them off of our feed, like our, our hosting site. I deleted it off there. So I don't know why it's still there. Do Whatever. You, I mean. I can always reach out to them again and be like. I don't think it really matters is at this point. Is there something you can do? I'm just, it's kind of just funny at this point <laughs> to me, but. It was very frustrating <sighs> at, the, at the time, but. It was. You know, now it is what it like, is. Whatever. <laughs> it happens. So. Yeah. We apologize. We did eventually get three of the full length episodes <laughs> uploaded. <laughs> yes. So. You, Let's just blame it on Sirius. <laughs> no. We'll blame it on the dogs. We'll just be like, ugh, dogs um we don't know what happened <laughs> yeah weird so we'll see what this week brings us the really weird part to me is that like we didn't re-record or anything you just redid the same file so like yeah. why did it not work the first time i don't know i mean i know you don't know but yeah and i'm not sick anymore so yeah you're not i, I do have still that. like a little tickle in my throat but nothing terrible so yay <laughs> yay um and then last night was our mom's birthday and we went out to dinner and emily looked at me and said you're gonna be really mad at me tomorrow okay no let me <laughs> preference this i promise we won't talk too much longer before we get into it no but okay last week yes i'm like a week and a half ago back yeah at this point yeah i sat down in bed and i was like i'm bored i need to watch something pull up a documentary as like sweet okay this might be a good story so i texted danielle 
and I because I had a like inkling that she maybe had called this one out loud so I it wasn't on my called list so you are correct so I texted her and I was like hey what stories did you call because I didn't want to do one that you had called yeah so you texted me back and you said the stories I have like three I said okay are you sure I was like are you sure those are the only ones and you're like yeah and I was like okay cool so (laughs) I knew she was gonna be so mad when she and I and I was so mad very mad um, I straight called her a bitch at mom's birthday, birthday dinner. dinner. <laughs> yeah, I had had like a few beers and, and I was like halfway done with my espresso martini at this point. So I was just like, <laughs> oh, I'm just going to spit it out and tell her. Yeah. So um, I this week am doing the story of a very famous Midwesterner, maybe arguably one of the most one famous. of the most famous. I would. Yeah. Midwesterners ever. Um, and I remember saying i'm pretty sure on like the podcast that i said it. i love this person and i think i want to do their story and like whatever because they're one of my favorite people i know we talked about how furious i am that we don't know what happened yeah and you guys will know in a second but i just want to preference that i did ask she did ask and i will give you that and i should have written it down when i like verbally said i was gonna do it but and i don't even know if i made that up but um, I'm going to be telling the story of Amelia Earhart today. <laughs> She's my favorite. <laughs> I love her so much, you guys. Yeah, so um, I guess I'll get into it. It is a little longer, and I do have a feeling we'll be talking a lot. Because I love her. About, like, theories and stuff, so I do kind of want to get into it. So. Also, Sirius is in a kind of precarious position, so if I make a grunt noise. I really or thought we were going to make it another episode where I, we did no. talk about that it's he's i just have a feeling he's just gonna like launch himself off my body at some point so i just want to give a heads up um yeah okay and how dare you not want to talk about your son well we just talk about him every episode it's well, like as we should <laughs> okay okay here we go ready let's let's do this all right I'm so ready i'm so excited quote wait end quote those were the last words ever heard over radio transmission by the U.S. Coast Guard cutter Itasca on July 2nd, 1937 by world-famous Kansas native Amelia Earhart before she and her navigator Frederick Noonan and her beloved Lockhead were lost into the sea. Amelia Earhart was born on July 24th, 1897 in the small town of Atchison atchinson kansas she was the daughter of samuel edwin stanton Earhart and amelia amy Earhart. i think that's so weird when people name their kids, name their kids them. after themselves yeah like i know it's like a thing i just i mean our, our grandpa did it with our uncle yeah and i i just think it's so strange um her grandfather was the was a formal federal judge and the president of the atchinson savings bank her father was a lawyer in town for the railroad, um, so her, she came from a pretty, like, affluent family, I yeah. would say. <coughs> Sorry. Um, Amelia had a younger sister named Grace Mural Earhart, who was two years younger than her, um, and Amelia was known as a tomboy, like yeah. always. Um, she loved to climb trees, uh, 
in the documentary they said like quote she liked to belly slam her sled down the hill so she would like ride head first yeah. on her belly down the hills in the winter that's amazing um she liked to hunt rats with her 22 rifle that she was given and she wasn't afraid to challenge the norms that females faced she kept scrapbooks of newspaper clippings about successful women in male orientated fields and it seemed like she was just like a badass yeah from like the yeah. beginning um amelia finished high school in chicago in 1916 and then attended ogantz school it's o-g-o-n-t-z ogantz maybe i would say ogantz okay in Rydal, pennsylvania during a visit to her sister who was in canada uh, amelia started to care for soldiers wounded in world war one in 1918, she left college and became a nurse's aide in Toronto. All while wearing pants. Yeah, she <laughs> was a pants gal. I love it. I'm here for it. <laughs> After the war, Amelia decided to enter uh, the pre-med program at Columbia University in New York City. But after her parents insisted that she live with them in California, she left Columbia in 1920. This is where Amelia took her first airplane ride, and this experience prompted her to take flying lessons. It didn't take long for Amelia to fall in love with flying. In 1921, she bought her first plane, which was a Kinner Airster. Some of these airplane names are kind of hard. Yeah, they're crazy. (laughs) And just two years after that, she got her pilot's license. So Like a badass. You guys, I'm just going to scream about how much I love her this entire podcast. I'm so sorry. In the (laughs) mid-1920s, Amelia moved to Massachusetts, where she became a social worker at the Denison House, which was a settlement home for immigrants in Boston. Around the same time... Promoters were looking for a female to fly across the Atlantic Ocean. Not by them. I'm getting there. Oh, sorry. Charles Lindenberg had been the first man to fly across the Atlantic solo the previous year, and his flight had become an instant success, so promoters were hoping to do something similar again. In April of 1928, Amelia was selected for the flight. On June 17th, 1928, Amelia left... Trepassy, Newfoundland, Canada. The only difference with her flight and Lindenberg's, though, is Amelia was just a passenger. That's what I thought. The plane was piloted by Wilmer Stoltz and Louis Louis Gordon. Um, and like Amelia was pissed about this because she thought she was going to be the one flying. Oh, originally. so she didn't realize that it was yeah. So car, she was basically cargo. Yeah, there was a quote in the documentary I watched, and I wish I would have written it down. It was kind of funny. She, it was basically like she compared herself to, like essentially like a, I don't think it was this exactly, but like a sack of potatoes. Like she wasn't really, <laughs> like <laughs> she was amazing. just there. Um, but she took it with stride. Um, when the flight landed in Wales, she became an international celebrity. And from here on out, Amelia's life pretty much revolved around flying. Wouldn't it be great if you could just take a plane flight and then become an international celebrity? Yeah, I know. (laughs) Like, writing this and reading this, it's so interesting because, like, like it's just a norm now. Yeah. Like, flying is just... Like, what people do. Yeah, like, our dad's about to fly 
on the daily in like two hours like, yeah it's just a thing people do now yeah <laughs> so it's just so interesting to see like how big of a deal this was um and it was a big deal yeah. apparently like a couple of years before this two other groups i should say attempted the same flight and neither of them made it so Yikes. yeah um now amelia was determined to capitalize on her newfound fame as a boss does and she started breaking records of her own she was the first woman to climb to an altitude of fourteen thousand feet um and this is when george putnam entered her life george was a book publisher and publicist who helped pick amelia to be the first woman to fly across the atlantic so he was part of the selection committee i guess you could say um and the two of them became fast friends and that fast friendship turned into a, a romance. romance. Um, and on February 7th, 1931, the two were married. Love that. Um, did you ever hear like what she said to him before they got married? I don't think so. It, she was like, we're going to give this like two years. And if by the <laughs> end of that, it's not working, then we'll just get a divorce. Oh my God, that's amazing. <laughs> she was like, not she's like she not was about like, it wa- like she loved him obviously and she wanted to get married but yeah. she was also like very independent and like she was a feminist before like for being a feminist was like a thing yeah um i love and that she just you know she was laying all her cards on the table and was like, like here's yeah. the deal so <laughs> um she referred to her marriage more as a partnership with dual control versus I mean, which is a good way to do it, man. Yeah, and it seems like her husband, too. Like, he seemed like a good guy. Yeah, like, George seems like he was really cool. Really supported her and everything she did. And I mean, you, like, would, cool. you cool, would have cool. to to be married to a woman like that. You know, like, she was taking nothing from anybody. She was taking zero shit. And she wanted to just keep breaking records and doing, like, what she wanted to do. And yeah. he was like, great, that sounds lovely. Um, He's like, I'll promote the hell out of you. Let's yeah. do it. <laughs> Now, not long after the two got married, they started working on secret plans for Amelia to become the first woman and only the second person to fly across the Atlantic. Because Lindbergh solo, was... sorry. Yeah, Lin- solo Lindbergh was the first. The only ones at this point. Yep. Okay. On May 20th, 1932, exactly five years after Charles Lindbergh flew solo across the Atlantic, Amelia took off from Harbor Grace, Newfoundland. Her destination was Paris, but after strong winds, icy conditions, and mechanical problems, Amelia landed in a pasture near Londonbury, Ireland. Question. Yes. I didn't want to interrupt your sentence. <laughs> um, is that the same place that she flew out of with the other guys? Because nope. it was Newfoundland somewhere else, though, right? Yeah. Okay. It was Trepassey. Okay. T-R-E-P-A-S-S-E-Y. Okay. And this was Harbor Grace. Okay. I was just curious because, like, I don't know. Maybe that would have some reason why things were different or, you know, I don't know. I was just curious. Sorry. Yeah. You're fine. Um, she Of this flight, she says, because they were expecting her to land in Paris and yeah. she landed in the middle of a field. And she was like, I gave the cows quite a fright. Like, <laughs> <laughs> She's just so freaking cool. I swear to God. Um, yeah. Now, after this flight, I'm sure you can assume she became even more famous than she had before. 
Um, President Herbert Hoover presented Amelia with a gold, gold medal from the National Geographic Society. Congress also awarded her the Distinguished Flying Cross, and she was the first woman to ever receive it. That's really cool. Amelia said that her flight proved that men and women were equal in, quote, jobs requiring intelligence, coordination, speed, coolness, and willpower, end quote. Yeah, girl. God, she is so cool. Can you say anything else? Other? No, I can't. Girl boss, I, so cool. She's I the just best. love her. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I full on warned you last night that this was going to be, this is going to be one where I just basically said how much I loved her. After um, this cross-Atlantic flight by herself, she continued to break some more records for altitude, and on January 11th, 1935, she became the first person to fly solo across the Pacific from Honolulu to Oakland, California. So first person ever. Yeah. No one else. Which is... I've done that before. Awesome. See, I didn't say cool. (laughs) Now that I'm thinking about it, I wonder if she took a boat from california to honolulu she must have had to with her plane or something like a cargo just boat. i just thought just popped into my mind which one do you and you might not know the answer to this but gander a guess which one do you think is bigger the pacific or the atlantic atlantic because she well only went like halfway on the pacific right well, she only went from honolulu to california which yeah. in today's flight times takes like Four and a half, five hours. That's what I thought. And if you go from New York to London, let's say, that's still probably, what, six or seven? That's a good point. So I'd assume that it's still... Had she gone from, like, Japan, do you think it would have been? Oh, yeah, way farther. Way farther. Like, so I'm just curious. I really shouldn't have asked the question because... Sorry. Kind of get there, but... Okay. (laughs) I don't even... I don't think planes had the capacity to fly that far. No. Yeah, no. I, I know that, but, like... I'm just wondering, in general, like, which one is bigger, the Pacific Ocean or the Atlantic Ocean? Because I Pacific, literally don't know. Pacific, I would say. Okay. I just didn't know. I don't know either, but I'm guessing the Pacific. That's what I would guess, too. Sorry. Um, Tangent. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> Later that year, she was the first person to fly solo from Mexico City to New York. So, she was killing it and living her best life, obviously. Excuse me. But, by 1937... Amelia was nearing, nearing her 40th birthday, and she felt like she had, quote, one good, more good flight left in her system, end quote. And she It's wanted, always the last run. I know. She wanted to be the first woman to fly around the world. And she had attempted this once before in March of the same year, so March of 1937. But unfortunately... Her beloved Lockhead Electra plane suffered some severe damages, um, but she was feeling determined to rebuild the plane, uh, which she did. So from what I understand, her original plan was to go from like California, Honolulu, like that way. Okay. So going. So she went from California to Honolulu. Or Hawaii, and when she landed in Hawaii, that's when she suffered the damage to her plane. Yeah, it was like a landing malfunction something or something, like that. Right? Yeah, like she landed too hard and something broke. So then she rebuilt it, and by that point, their plan was to go the opposite direction. Okay, so she's going to go back towards California. Yep. Okay. And there was a problem with this, and the problem 
I'll just continue reading. Okay. <laughs> we'll talk about the problem. But okay. on June 1st, 1937, her and her navigator, Fred Noonan, departed Miami to begin the 29,000-mile trip around the world. By June 29th, they had only 7,000 miles left to complete after they had landed in Ley, New Guinea. The and there are some pictures from, from and there video. Yep. that are just kind of haunting because you're like, oh. Sad. last time yeah anybody ever sees her um the trip did have some difficulty throughout um as frequently inaccurate maps made it difficult for fred to navigate yes sorry no he fun. was also a like a, a stars like an yep. astrology I'll talk about that and, too okay yeah. yeah and I, I just think that's so cool interesting that, that yeah. people could i mean i don't think they still teach that right but I just think it's so cool. Now, here was the problem with going the opposite way. Mm -hmm. So if they would have stuck to their original plan, their, one of their first stops would have been How Howland Island. Yes. And now going the opposite way, Howland Island was one of the last stops. Now, this was going to be the diff most difficult like, stop, no matter what direction they were going. Yeah, because so it was like a, a really small... Yes, we'll get to that in a sorry. second, too. <laughs> God. So, I just stop talking. Um, basically, they were like, okay, if we do it at the beginning, it's going to be a little bit easier than if we do it at the end because, you know. Fresher, yes. less mm -hmm. exhausted. Exactly. Less wear and tear on the plane, blah, blah, blah. Um, now, Holland Island is located 2,566 miles from Ley in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. It is a whole mile and a half long and a half mile wide. Yeah, it's tiny. That is the whole island. Yeah. So Fred and Amelia. It's a, it's a blink and you miss it. Literally. <laughs> I kind of think of it as like it's literally a needle in a haystack. Yeah, you're not wrong. It's a mile long island in the middle of a massive humongous ocean. ocean. Yeah. Um, so to prepare for this, Fred and Amelia moved every little unnecessary thing they could to make room for more fuel, which would give them 274 extra miles. He's good. He's fine. It was, it was his butt. It was his leg. Okay. Mid-break. <laughs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> so they put more fuel on to give them extra fuel, just in case. The Coast Guard ship, the Itasca, which we talked about earlier, yep. was their radio contact and was located right off of Howland Island. Because that was like to help them find the island right yeah so they would give them like radio bearings yeah um and they i also talk about it a little bit later but they also use like smoke signals to try to help guide the ship the, ship, the, plane. the plane yeah um there were two other u.s ships were ordered um to burn every light on board and were positioned along the flight path as markers so they could try to you know make sure they were on the right like yeah path um so they thought you know it sounds like they did as much as they could to try to make sure they found this island yeah now it was kind of just up to them um but again like i said needle and haystack on july 2nd at 10 a.m local time amelia and fred i don't know okay let me tell you really quick pause yeah i wanted to call him frank every single 
every time I wrote it, I wrote Frank. I was like, delete, delete, delete. Fred. I don't know why I want to call him Frank. But his name's Fred. Yeah, his name's Fred. That's weird. So if I say Frank, I... She means Fred. It's literally just rolls. I don't know. It's weird. Yeah, that's weird. Um, So they took off. Uh, Despite there being perfect weather forecasted, the pair ran into overcast skies and intermittent rain showers. Now, Fred's favorite form of tracking was celestial navigation. So with the stars, like you said. Um, but with the cloudy weather, that made this very difficult. Uh, As you can imagine. Yes. Don approached and Amelia called the Itasca reporting cloudy weather. She also asked the Itasca to take bearings on her, which they did. But Amelia seemed not to be able to hear them so they could hear her. But her, when they radio back to her, she couldn't hear them. That's got to be so frustrating. Yeah. So her radio transmissions were irregular, faint, and some were interrupted with static. So things weren't going very well. At 7.42 a.m., the Itasca picked up the message, quote, We must be on you, but we cannot see you. Fuel is running low. Been unable to reach you by radio. We are flying at 1,000 feet, end quote. And that's low. Yeah. I don't know how high these planes flew normally, but they were trying to fly lower to be under the clouds yeah and i'm sure that that would help them spot the island and them spot the boats and the boat spot them and yeah um the tasca tried replying again but again the plane seemed not to hear a little over an hour later at around 8 45 a.m amelia reported quote we're running north and south end quote then quote wait end quote and that was the last thing that was ever heard from amelia Earhart. Um, now, rescue attempts were started pretty much immediately by both sea and sky. Uh, and this search would become the most extensive in naval history, despite spending nearly $4 million and searching 250,000. Nope, 200. Yeah, 250,000. I don't know why numbers are so hard. <laughs> square miles of ocean, nothing was found, and the U.S. government reluctantly called off search. the search. Which is so sad. Yes. Now, that's kind of like the story is pretty straightforward. Didn't Fred, or not Fred. You're um, probably going to ask something. Her husband, didn't he keep looking? Yeah, he. uh, For like a long time. Like. God, why can't I remember Contracted George. Thank you. um, Like civilians. Yeah. Had them continue to look. Yeah, because I feel like he looked for a really long time. Yeah, he did. Which is just heartbreaking. Um, now I'm going to get into the some... Theories. Not yet. Oh. We're not going to get there yet. Oh, I'm so excited. We're going to talk about <laughs> how for days after Amelia and Fred crashed, people scanning radios around the United States and really around the world began hearing distress calls that they believed were coming in from the downed plane. What? You didn't know this? Oh, look at me. I heard of one, but I didn't know there were multiple. Oh, yeah. Multiple. Damn. Like over a hundred. Wow. I've heard of the, there's like one with a, like a younger girl yes. that I'd heard of. Uh, that's literally my next sentence. Okay. <laughs> a 15 year old girl in St. Petersburg, Florida transcribed some desperate pleas from the two. Oh. She heard quote, waters knee deep, let me out end quote, and quote, help us quick end quote. And it was kind of interesting again on this documentary I watched. It was on... I didn't really, like, use much of that information. Yeah. Actually, I didn't use any of their information. I'm just kind of, like, talking about it separately. So, it's not one of my sources. Okay. 
Do you want to maybe drop it when I will talk just, about it? Just because it yeah. was a, obviously a good one. I'll put it on maybe like our Facebook or something. Okay. But it was very interesting because they actually showed her like diary or notebook that like, she was like literally writing in as she was oh hearing. God. Oh, that would just be like sickening. Yeah. Like you just feel so sick to your stomach. Yeah. There's nothing you can do. Uh, I know. Um, a woman named Thelma Lovelace in the Canadian province of New Brunswick heard, quote, can you read me? Can you read me? This is Amelia Earhart. This is Amelia Earhart. Please come in. And Do quote. you think any of these were a prank, though? Hold on. on and that was on July 7th at 1.30 a.m. Okay. Again, Thelma did the same thing. She wrote um, down exactly what she heard. Yeah. As well as the land... land latitude and longitude of amelia's position that she like that she gave okay yeah um she also had heard uh quote we have taken in water my navigator is badly hurt repeat we are in need of medical care and we must have help we cannot hold on much longer end quote a housewife in Texas named Mabel Lamore heard, quote, plane down on an uncharted island, small, uninhabited, end quote, when she was fiddling around with her at-home radio. Um, now, with reports like these, we obviously do have to be a little bit skeptical that they could be a hoax. According to, it's TIGHAR.org, which is the, I wrote it down. International Group for Historic Aircraft Recovery. They are super cool. Yeah. By the so way. So they have a whole like section on just these like transmissions alone. Okay. Um, <clears throat> now, according to them, them, a hoax could be done in one or two ways, either by transmitting a false signal or by making a false report. The U.S. government did in fact say that these reports were a hoax, but... I think it's they call they pronounce it tiger. Okay. Uh, wants to debate otherwise. They had multiple credible sources all over North America, seemingly hearing the exact same transmissions at the exact same time. In one instance, a person in Wyoming and a person in Canada both both heard the same transmission, where the female voice on the other end said she was Amelia Earhart. Richard Gillespie, who is the executive director of the International Group for Historic Aircraft Recovery, analyzed over 100 different distress calls made in the week following Amelia's disappearance. And out of, oh, I believe it was like 127, he deemed 57 of them credible. Wow. So it sounds like they're in the daytime, she would use a specific channel to communicate. And then in the nighttime, she would use another specific channel. And then she had a specific call that she would use okay and all this all these like things were correct like she was using the right channels she was using the correct call okay so like her call would be like her tag her tag number so like khg 700 or something yeah like that okay so like a naming who she was yes so and i don't know if that was like public knowledge where someone could just hop on and be like what would you and and how would they know what radio signals that she was supposed to be using yeah yeah like which channel she was supposed to be broadcasting from kind of thing yeah and they said that she was like broadcasting at night because um that's when like Like the tide tide was low so that she could actually like turn her plane on to use the radio yeah because i that that's one of the theories right is that like she crashed right we'll get into that too and i'll second we're gonna talk about theories next but that's really interesting i didn't realize there were so many do you think what would you want your handle to be i don't know but (laughs) think think about it do you 
Like, do you think this could have been her? Um, I'm hopeful that it is, but it's also heartbreaking if it is. Yeah. Because they're desperately reaching out for help. That's like sending a text into the void and just being like, please, 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 yeah. please. You know. I feel like in my gut that it was actually her. I, yeah, I do too. So, yeah. Um, so, just heartbreaking though. Yeah, it is very sad. Okay, let's get into theories. First one we're going to talk about is the U.S. government's official position. And that is that... Amelia and Fred ran out of fuel while looking for Howland Island and crashed into the Pacific Ocean. Um, now, as we know, the Itasca was there to help Amelia and Frank make it to Howland Island in the pre-radar era by giving radio bearings as well as using the smoke plumes. But remember, they were having radio problems and communication was sporadic. Um, Fifteen years ago, in twenty when this article, I, I got this information, um, was written in 2017. So 15 okay. years prior to 2017. Okay. I didn't feel like doing the math. 2002. Yes. Oh, well, that would make sense. <laughs> um, when the article was... Did, aren't you impressed with how fast that map yeah. was? A Maryland-based <laughs> company called Nauticos decided to search for Amelia's plane. Um, Nauticos specialized in deep sea searches. And Nautico's president at the time, David Jordan, said that him and his colleagues had taken Amelia's radio transmissions and what they knew about her fuel supply to help narrow down a specific area in the Pacific Ocean where they believe the plane went down. Isn't it just nuts that they're doing this all without radar? Yeah. Like, what? I know. In March and April of 2002, the company used high-tech deep-sea sonar systems to search 630 square miles of ocean floor near Howland Island and turned up absolutely nothing. They, That's the other thing that just boggles my mind. It's like, no one has found anything. For sure. Yeah. Well, they turn... Well, I mean, we'll, we'll get into it. Yeah. Well, well, I guess it depends on what you believe. Yes. Yeah. That's why they, I said, well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they returned in 2006 and that search turned up nothing as well. In 2009, a team put together by the Weight Institute searched an area roughly the size of Delaware, just west of Howland Island, with the help of deep sea robots. And again, nothing was found. So that is the U.S. government's official position. They're still MIA, basically, missing. Yeah. Okay. The next most popular theory is brought to us by Tiger, which okay. again is the International Group for Historic Aircraft Recovery. And yes. that is that after not being able to find Howland Island, Amelia and Friend stumbled across a small island 350 nautical miles southwest called Nicomararo Island. Yep. That sounds right. Yeah. Um, now, just, you know, 350 nautical miles is about 403 regular miles. Just in case you want to know. Yeah, I, I did. I don't understand why they're different. I don't either. Because you'd think a distance is a distance. Well, yeah, we're not Navy people, so we don't know. No. <laughs> um, Girl, the, I can hardly get from one place to the other half the time without my GPS. The so. Tiger group bases their theory on one of amelia's last radio transmissions which is around 8 40 a.m where she says quote we are on line 157 337 end quote 
The 157-337 line indicates that the plane was flying on a northwest to southeast navigational line that bisected Howland Island. So basically what they were trying to do is they were flying, they knew Howland Island was on this line, so they were basically just trying to fly it back and forth forth to to see if they could find it, but they're like, you know, we don't want to go too far this way, we don't want to go too far that way, so... um, To the northwest of Howland Island is thousands of miles of open ocean, but to the southwest is Nicomararo Island. Okay. Now, remember those radio transmissions that we talked about before that came after Amelia disappeared? Yes. 57 of them were deemed credible. Well, wireless stations took directional bearings on six of them at the time. Okay. So, I believe these were like... That's why I said all over the world, because I believe some of these were, like, government, actual, like, government people hearing these. Oh. And they were taking directional bearings. And so what they did was this group, they cross-referenced them, found where they all intersected. Okay. And it was, um, sorry, here we go. Tom King, who is the senior archaeologist with Tiger, stated, quote, Four crossed near the Phoenix Islands. Most messages were at night when the tide was low, end quote. I believe the Phoenix, Nicomararo Island is part of the Phoenix Islands. Yeah. So, just for reference. Yes. Um, At the time of her disappearance, the tide on Nicomararo was extremely low, and this allowed for a reef surface to be exposed that was long and flat enough for a plane to land mainly intact. Which would have needed, which would have been needed to happen for Amelia to send out radio transmissions. Yeah, because the plane had to have power in order yes. for her to use the radio. Exactly. Right? Yep. Okay. Uh, the researchers theorized that in the daytime it would have been too hot to sit in the aluminum plane and send messages, so that's why it meant some of them could have mainly been sent at night. Okay, that makes sense. That as well as the tide. Um, now, eventually, the tide would have lifted the plane off the re- reef, and it would have sank. Or broken up in the surf. Now, transmission stopped on July 13th, 1937. So, a little over a week after. Um, There is more evidence, too, that points to them being on this island. Later in 1937, a British party explored the island intent on colonizing it. Eric Bevington, who was the colonial officer, found what looked like to be a camp someone used for or- overnight sleeps. They also took a photo of the shoreline, and then the picture, there seems to be an object object sticking out of the water that looks to be like a plane's landing gear. Okay. So, it's like just barely sticking up. Um, by did, you, na- did you see pictures of it? I did it? see the picture, yep. Okay. Um, it was in that documentary. Okay. Did you buy it? No, it was on Disney Plus. No, 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 no. Sorry. Oh, sorry. <laughs> did you like? Yeah. Did you I... believe that it it looked like landing gear to you, or like what you would imagine? It looks like something that's not supposed to be there. So it doesn't look natural. No. Okay. And they think that it could have been missed because on this island there is a big shipwreck. Okay. And it's in the, that's what they think they were taking the photo of. So you can see the big shipwreck and then like off in the corner, you just see this like thing sticking out of the water. Interesting. And it's, it's like in the middle of the water. So I don't know what would be sticking out that high. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. 
Are you going to post yeah. that, that one? I just... could post so many pictures, oh my which God. I po- probably will. But... Post all the pictures. <laughs> yeah. Do it. I'm so here for it. Um, So that was a little weird. By 1938, the end of 1938, the island was colonized as part of the Phoenix Island Settlement Scheme, one of Britain's last expansions. Uh, people who are on the island have claimed to have found airplane parts that could have come from Amelia's plane. Now... I feel like if there was airplane parts found, we would know more about that at this point. Who knows? Um, in 1940, 13 bones were found buried on the island near a site that was looked like it was used as a campfire. Okay. These bones were sent to Fiji for, like, measuring, and then they were lost. I was just saying, then they got lost. But in this documentary, they found them. They went through, like, every single thing in this building, and they found them. They did measurements, and they... Like, nothing's definitive. Yeah. But they do believe it is a woman. But so, the thing about knows. Amelia Earhart is when she, like, 5'7 or something or 5'8, well, she's, they, like, With really only 13 tall. bones. They had the skull. So oh, that's what they were They don't have, like, a femur or anything? Uh, I don't okay. think so. Because with the femur, you can yeah. tell how tall somebody was. Yeah. A man and a woman's shoe were also said to have been found on the island. As well as remnants of a box that once held a sextant, which is a navigational device. Um, Tiger has launched 12 expeditions to the island since 1989. And during that time, they found the campsite the bones were found at, as well as bones of turtles, fish, clams, and birds, indicating someone had eaten there. They also found several 1930s era glass bottles. One is to believe to be a freckle cream that Amelia may have used. Um, but I was going to say, I thought some of her makeup or something was found somewhere too. We don't, I mean, that was allegedly. Was yeah. So far, they haven't been to 100% link Amelia and Fred to the island, though, unfortunately. So okay. that was my favorite theory. Okay. <laughs> and then I started watching another documentary before you got here. And then you're like, Oh, shit. Maybe I was wrong. So now I don't know. <laughs> but we'll talk about it. The third theory is that Amelia and Fred headed north to Japanese-controlled Marshall Islands, where they were taken hostage as potential U.S. spies. People believe that both pilots are uh, eventually killed, but others believe that both Fred and Amelia returned to the U.S. under new identities. According to one theory, Amelia came back as Irene Craig Mile. She then married a man named Guy Bolem and became Irene Bolem, dying in New Jersey in 1982. In 2003, retired U.S. Air Force Colonel Roland C. Reineck claimed that if they couldn't find Howland Island plan, like the two of them couldn't find Howland Island, their plan B was to cut off communications, fly north to the Marshall Islands, and ditch her plane there. Don't know why, but okay uh in yeah, his book confusing titled amelia Earhart survives he claims that it was for national security reasons because what what year was this again um the plan would allow i know where you're getting so i'm just going to keep going okay the plan would allow to the u.s to come into marshall island and rescue amelia getting some intel on the japanese at the same time but this plan went awry when amelia radioed that she was turning north and japanese intercepted her message and took her hostage there are apparently many people on the Marshall Islands who are adamant that she landed there saying, like, 
aunts uncles parents grandparents like everybody knew like it was just common knowledge like that she was people know this yeah now let's talk about this photo have you heard about this i have heard about this photo this photo yes uh one piece of evidence that some say prove this theory is a pre-world war ii photo of a dock on julat atoli one of marshall islands that some um, documentary makers claim contain Amelia and Fred. The man in the photo is facing the camera, and a facial recognition expert studied the photo and said that the similarities are hard to ignore. The main one being he had a very distinct hairline, mm-hmm. where it like goes very far up, like his hairline goes very far up into his head. Okay. And like it's the exact same hairline on this guy in the photo kind of weird there's also there like apparently at this time caucasians were not allowed in the marshall islands okay but two people in the photo are caucasian are clearly not yes one is a man and one is a woman okay um now the woman in the photo she has her back to the camera she's looking to the side so you kind of see the side profile Mm -hmm. of her face so it's a little bit harder to tell you know whether or not who it is but again there are some similarities that are hard to ignore like the way she's sitting they compared it to like other photos of her like sitting at the same angle and it is very similar okay which is weird um and then in the back of the photo there is a japanese ship towing something that measures 38 feet can you guess what else measures exactly 38 feet? Her beloved plane. Her airplane. Yes. For decades, locals have stuck to the story that her plane crashed here. And they even put this story on a post, like their postage stamp. Like, it's like a four series postage stamp. It shows like the plane crashing, the Japanese boat towing the plane. And like, it's weird. Hmm. So they're just like very adamant that this happened. Um... There are people familiar with the type of plane Amelia was flying, though, and with how far the Marshall Islands were, they say there's no way in heck she would have made it that far. Um, The Marshall Islands were another 800 miles away from where she was headed. And they were already low on fuel. And with Amelia's radio transmitter stating she was low on fuel, the theories don't make sense to most experts. Um, do you want me to just, like, finish my last paragraph and then we can talk about what we think is true? Okay. Yeah. Now, unfortunately, we still don't know what happened to Amelia Earhart and Fred Noonan. The plane has never been found. And honestly, for me, this one's tough because I don't think it ever will be. I also want to say I never had a huge interest in Amelia Earhart. And now that I've, like, learned into it more... It's going to bother the shit out of me. You're welcome. That we're not going to ever probably know (laughs) what actually happened to her. That's why in heaven I'm Um, asking. Amelia has been an inspiration to women since the 1930s and continues to do so today. Um, I read a lot of her quotes and I just wanted to end on a good one that I really liked. Um, She says, quote, the stars seemed near enough to touch and never before have I seen so many. I always believe the lure of flying is the lure of beauty, and I was sure, but I was sure of it that night. End quote. Oh, I love that. Um, yeah, and so that's the story of Amelia Earhart. 
Let me talk about my theory now. Okay. <laughs> like I said, I'm here for it. When I watched that first documentary about that Nicomoaro yeah, Island, Nicomoaro. I was like, there's no way. There's like, that's where she had to be. Like, yeah. Duh. Yeah. But then I watched the documentary on this other theory of the Marshall Islands. And that one, I feel like, makes more sense with the photo. There apparently was a theory that she was a spy and honestly could see it i mean it wouldn't be a huge shock nope she's, she's like definitely seemed like the type who oh God, ow. would be one if they asked and she yeah. had prime like she was just flying around the world um so here's what they said in this other documentary too i'll drop that one as well so remember how she said that the she was flying in clouds yes so apparently the only clouds in the pacific ocean that day were north east of howland island so closer to the like past howland island north closer to the u.s okay so they believe maybe she thought she was on the right line, but she was too far north. Okay. They believe that when she said she had low fuel, she probably still had about 156 gallons left, which was about four hours, they're saying. That's a lot. They said her plan was, there was a like a pilot in one of these documentaries, and he said, what I don't understand is she would have had a plan B. Yeah, absolutely. She wouldn't have just flown around no. and let her plane, like, fall into the ocean. Yeah, like, no, she would have had a plan sense. B if they can't find Howland Island. Yeah. And they're saying her plan B was to, um, if she had, like, 400 miles left of fuel, she yeah. was going to turn back west and head towards, shit, it starts with a G, Gilbert Islands, maybe, which is directly west of Howland Island. Okay directly north of those islands is marshall island so if she had gone north if she thought she if she was further north than she thought she, she was, thought she was okay and she would have turned west she, she would have landed in the marshall islands interesting i hadn't heard that th- that part of the theory like i i've heard the marshall islands theory i've heard the nicomararo mm-hmm. one um and then i've heard that she just crash into the ocean right but that that one to me just feels really unlikely because like you said she it's not like you're just gonna if you're gonna take a trip like this you're not just gonna be like willy-nilly about it like you're gonna have plan a plan b plan c yeah you know and like and that's what they said so they did say she did have a plan and if she hadn't found it she was gonna turn back around because this line of islands like they're like she wouldn't have missed one like it is like a long line of islands like she would have hit something and she would have been able to land so, there's another thing they stated that there, one of these radio transmissions that they got from her, mm-hmm. it said 218 North Howland. So, they, the U.S. government or the or Coast Guard or whoever was looking for yeah, it at yeah. that point thought that meant she was 218 miles north, north of, Howland. of Howland. Yeah. So, they went 218 miles north of Howland. It's just ocean. If you go 218 degrees of Howland Island, you hit the the Marshall Islands. That's really interesting. I've 
I I absolutely do not believe that she came back to the United States anonymously. No, I don't either. Absolutely don't believe that. I, I don't think either. she is not the kind of woman that would be like, okay, now I'm going to have a quiet life. life. No, like, are you kidding no. me? Mm-mm. She was friends with freaking Eleanor Roosevelt. That's not going to happen. Yeah. So that one automatically out for me. And here's my other thing, too. You have the biggest naval search in history. And they went out pretty quickly. Yeah. You're because telling they, me you didn't find any part of a plane floating into the ocean you're telling me you didn't look at that go look at that island that was 300 miles not a couple miles south and you didn't see anything yeah to the the fact that they didn't find anything makes me believe they weren't looking in the right place and they couldn't look at the marshall islands because because they weren't allowed controlled by the japanese yeah it just doesn't make sense they didn't find one thing yeah i'm with you i, I agree completely and you like, would find one thing floating and suitcase the like, argument that book, yeah something. the argument that well if she crossed into the ocean it could have just all sank that doesn't that doesn't track for me either i just don't think that that's an accurate statement i'm sure eventually it all does yeah but i don't even know i feel like things still maybe would have like eventually washed way yeah way to shore i don't know how that works but there is also like on the second documentary i've been watching a lot of like eyewitness accounts and they're they deem these eyewitness accounts plausible because for a lot of these people it was the first white person they'd ever seen yeah and a lot of them it was hard to wrap their mind around the fact that she was a woman because she had short Short hair hair. and she wore pants yeah and so it stuck with them yeah and so they're like these people didn't even know who amelia Earhart was no right and it's so it's not like it's not like today where you'd see a picture of her somewhere like they would have no idea yeah i i think that theory is probably the most likely so they think that the japanese got a hold of them put them in a cell on saipan okay and then they died there whether it be i don't know illness or they were executed or something yeah and then buried on the island and then they said apparently who knows i'm really getting conspiracy here but (laughs) after the u.s reclaimed saipan after the war two marines said they were tasked with going to a graveyard digging up up two graves and bringing those bones back interesting but of course the government has adamantly denied all this well yeah and then people are like okay so then why won't you just if the japanese actually did take them why won't you just say it and they're like well you have to remember after this war like they were trying to repair the relationship with the japanese yeah and if the united states people found out they killed literally like american sweetheart yeah it wouldn't have it would, it would not have gone down well so yeah i was all on this nicaragua nicaragua yeah that one <laughs> uh theory now i think it makes a little bit more sense though and i feel so conspiracy with it but like it just makes sense to me the fact I'm, that you yeah, didn't I find anything i no i totally agree that with just you. doesn't that blows my mind i agree with you i think that the marshall island the marshall islands to me makes the most most sense um our favorite investigator 
Josh, Josh Gates. Gates did. We really, we really need to try and like connect with him because we quote him a lot. <laughs> Don't roll your eyes at me. It'd be so cool. <laughs> it, it never happened. But I know. Um, hey, if anybody out there knows Josh yeah. Gates, <laughs> let him know we love him. Um, he did a really cool episode on this. Have you? You said you watched, watched it, it, right? And then I was gonna rewatch it before you came, but then I decided I wanted to watch this other one instead. Okay. So you need to send me all of these. Yeah, I will. Thank you. One of them's kind of hard. I'm watching it on a sketchy website. I probably have a virus on my computer now, you, but no, it'll be worth it. That kind of computer doesn't get viruses. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. Anyway, I would agree I, with you. I think the March Islands is the most likely. Um. Yeah, it's gonna drive you crazy. And the fact that you nuts. Eighty years later, you're telling me you can't give us any answers. Why? Because you can't, or you don't want to. Yeah, or you won't. U.S. government. Shady. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know if we have anything else you want to say. No, I'm, I, I'm glad you did it. Even though I was really mad at you yesterday for like fifteen seconds. Yeah, I knew you would be. <laughs> It's just such a good story, and I, now I'm glad that you're, like, down the rabbit hole with me. Oh, Welcome I to my nightmare. <laughs> can't gonna... wait to Google on Reddit later and just see what people say on there. Oh, my I'm God. Sure send me so. all the things that you find. But, yeah. <laughs> this one's going to bother me. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to bug the shit out of you. Welcome mm-hmm. to my nightmare. Literally for years, it has pissed me off. <laughs> That's why I always have said, when I die... I better get to meet her and be like, what happened? I need to know. And are you okay? <laughs> and we love you. And what happened? We need to know. <laughs> yeah. So. That was a good one. Thanks. I really went down it. I mean. Oh, yeah. I fully believe um, this conspiracy theory. I feel crazy, but whatever. <laughs> um, sources. Yes. And then I'll do socials. Um. Uh, www.britannica.com, ameliaearhart.com, washingtonpost.com, um, nydailynews.com, usatoday.com, tigra, tig, tigra, tiger, t-i-g-h-a-r.org, and nationalgeographic.com. And then the two documentaries I watched, the first one was on Disney Plus, and it's like a National Geographic one. And the second one, I'm watching is a history channel one and it's called Amelia Earhart the lost evidence okay um the socials are mwmadnesspodcast at gmail.com mwmadness on instagram uh or no yeah and then midwest madness podcast um facebook and then midwest madness pod on twitter Perfect. Well, this one was a little bit longer, so I'm sorry about that. But I'm not because it was absolutely fascinating. Yeah. So I could probably <laughs> talk for another 45 minutes about this, but I won't. So we'll do it later. Yeah. Uh, other than that, we hope you have a great week and we'll talk to you next Tuesday. Bye.